Chapter thirty five of the Headless Horseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chelsea S. The Headless Horseman A Strange Tale of Texas by Maine Reed. Chapter thirty five An Uncourteous Host. The chicken hearted fool! Fool myself to have trusted to such a hope. I might have known she'd cage all the young calf and let the scoundrel escape. I could have shot him from behind the tree, dead as a drowned rat, and without risking anything, even disgrace, not a particle of risk. Uncle Woodley would have thanked me. The whole settlement would have said I had done right. My cousin, a young lady, betrayed by a common scamp, a horse trader, who would have said a word against it? such a chance why have i missed it death and the devil it may not trump up again such were the reflections of the ex-captain of cavalry while at some paces distance following his two cousins on their return to the hacienda i wonder muttered he on re-entering the patio whether the blubbering baby be in earnest going after to apologize to the man who has made a fool of his sister ha ha it would be a good joke were it not too serious to be laughed at he is in earnest else why that row in the stable tis he bringing but his horse it is by the almighty the door of the stable as is customary in mexican haciendas opened upon the paved patio it was standing ajar but just as calhoun turned his eye upon it a man coming from the inside pushed it wide open and then stepped over the threshold with a saddled horse following close after him. The man had a Panama hat upon his head and a cloak thrown loosely around his shoulders. This did not hinder Calhoun from recognizing his cousin Henry as also the dark brown horse that belonged to him. Fool! So you've let him off! spitefully muttered the ex-captain as the other came within whispering distance. Give me back my bowie and pistol! they're not toys suited to such delicate fingers as yours bah why did you not use them as i told you you've made a mess of it i have tranquilly responded the young planter i know it i've insulted and grossly too a noble fellow insulted a noble fellow <laughs> you're mad by heavens you're mad i should have been had i followed your counsel cousin cash fortunately i did not go so far i have done enough to deserve being called worse than fool though perhaps under the circumstances i may obtain forgiveness for my fault at all events i intend to try for it and without losing time where are you going after maurice the mustanger to apologize to him for my misconduct misconduct <laughs> surely you're joking no i'm in earnest if you come along with me you shall see then i say again you are mad not only mad but a damned natural-born idiot you are by jesus christ and general jackson you're not very polite cousin cash though after the language i've been lately using myself i might excuse you perhaps you will one day imitate me and make amends for your rudeness without adding another word the young gentleman one of the somewhat rare types of southern chivalry sprang to his saddle 
gave the word to his horse, and rode hurriedly through the saguan. Calhoun stood upon the stones till the footfall of the horse became but faintly distinguishable in the distance. Then, as if acting under some sudden impulse, he hurried along the veranda to his own room, entered it, reappeared in a rough overcoat, crossed back to the stable, went in, came out again with his own horse saddled and bridled, led the animal along the pavement as gently as if he was stealing him, and once outside upon the turf, sprang upon his back and rode rapidly away. For a mile or more he followed the same road that had been taken by Henry Poindexter. It could not have been with any idea of overtaking the latter, since, long before, the hoof-strokes of Henry's horse had ceased to be heard, and, proceeding at a slower pace, Calhoun did not ride as if he cared about catching up with his cousin. He had taken the up-river road. When about midway between Casa del Corvo and the fort, he reined up, and, after scrutinizing the chaparral around him, struck off by a bridle path leading back toward the bank of the river. As he turned into it, he might have been heard muttering to himself, A chance still left, a good one, though not so cheap as the other. It will cost me a thousand dollars. What of that, so long as I get rid of this Irish curse, who has poisoned every hour of my existence? If true to his promise, he takes the route to his home by an early hour in the morning. What time, I wonder? These men of the prairies call it late rising, if they be abed till daybreak. Never mind. There's yet time for the coyote to get before him on the road. I know that. It must be the same as we followed to the wild horse prairies. He spoke of his hut upon the Alamo. That's the name of the creek where we had our picnic. The hovel cannot be far from there. The Mexican must know the place, or the trail leading to it, which last will be sufficient for his purpose and mine. A fig for the shanty itself. The owner may never reach it. There may be Indians upon the road. There must be before daybreak in the morning. As Calhoun concluded this string of strange reflections, he had arrived at the door of another shanty, that of the Mexican mustanger. The jacale was the goal of his journey. Having slipped out of his saddle and knotted his bridle to a branch, he set foot upon the threshold. The door was standing wide open. From the inside proceeded a sound, easily identified as the snore of a slumberer. It was not as of one who sleeps either tranquilly or continuously. At short intervals it was interrupted, now by silent pauses, anon by hog-like gruntings, interspersed with profane words, not perfectly pronounced but slurred from a thick tongue, over which, but a short while before, must have passed a stupendous quantity of alcohol. Carambo, cray, carao, chingara, mil diablos, mingled with more, perhaps less reverential exclamations of Sangre de Cristo, Jesus, Santissima Virgen, Santa Maria, Dios, Madre de Dios, and the like, were uttered inside the jacale as if the speaker was engaged in an apostrophic conversation with all the principal characters of the Popish pantheon. Calhoun paused upon the threshold and listened. Maldito, muttered the sleeper, 
concluding the exclamation with a hiccup. Buen, buenos novedades. Good news por sangre Cristo. Sí, señor americano. Novedades per vos. Los indios cocomanches on the war trail. El rastro de guerra. God bless the cocomanches. The brute's drunk, said his visitor, mechanically speaking out loud. Hola, señor, exclaimed the owner of the jacale, aroused to a state of semi-consciousness by the sound of a human voice. Quien llama? Who has the honor, that is, have I the happiness? I, Miguel Diaz, el co coyote, as the leperos call me. Ah, ah, coyo, coyote. Bah, what's in the name? Your senor? Mia demonios, who are you? Partially raising himself from his reed couch, the inebriate remained for a short time in a sitting attitude, glaring, half interrogatively, half unconsciously, at the individual whose voice had intruded itself into his drunken dreams. The unsteady examination lasted only for a score of seconds. Then the owner of the hakale, with an unintelligible speech, subsided into a recumbent position. When a savage grunt, succeeded by a prolonged snore, proved him to have become oblivious to the fact that his domicile contained a guest. "'Another chance lost,' said the latter, hissing the words through his teeth, as he turned disappointedly from the door. "'A sober fool and a drunken knave, two precious tools wherewith to accomplish a purpose like mine. Curse the luck! All this night it's been against me. It may be three long hours before this pig sleeps off the swill that has stupefied him.' Three long hours, and then what would be the use of him? T'would be too late, too late. As he said this, he caught the rein of his bridle, and stood by the head of his horse as if uncertain what course to pursue. No use my staying here, it might be daybreak before the damn liquor gets out of his skull. I may as well go back to the hacienda and wait there, or else, or else. The alternative, that at this crisis presented itself, was Nora spoken aloud. Whatever it may have been, it had the effect of terminating the hesitancy that was living over him, and stirring him to immediate action. Roughly tearing his rein from the branch and passing it over his horse's head, he sprang into the saddle and rode off from the Hakale in a direction the very opposite to that in which he had approached it. End of chapter 35